2: And there's tremendous amount of research. The most popular study that has been done was uh, published in the New England Journal of Medicine in December of 2019. They had reviewed over 1,500 peer-reviewed articles, which is almost insane. And they came out and said, intermittent fasting should be your first line of treatment for diabetes, for uh, obesity, Alzheimer's, dementia, asthma, multiple sclerosis, Um, And pre, you should use it as a tool pre and post-surgery. So really cool. um, So intermittent fasting should be part of our lifestyle. The second layer that we talk about is what I call autophagy fasting. And that shows up around 17 hours. You click. We've already talked about autophagy. This is where that autophagy intelligence kicks in and it starts to repair itself. um, 24 hours is what a lot of people call one meal a day or the OMADs.
1: To my seven chakras and now your host aditya jai kumara
3: what's up action tribe aj here host and founder of my seven chakras my7chakras.com the show where we help you calm your mind relax your nervous system and experience deep states of bliss In today's episode, we talk about some really amazing topics, including intermittent fasting, toxins and heavy metals inside your body, how to get better sleep and how to look and feel younger. So if you'd like to uh, support us and if you like this podcast and if you'd like more people to get to know about this, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that, um, you know, it does something to the algorithm and more people become aware of this very important episode That is going to start right now, right? And really quickly before we start, because I love our listeners so much, I'm going to read out a quick iTunes review by DragonBell11, who writes, easily my favorite podcast and I produce my own Ha. What started out as a pursuit to learn more about the chakras took me here. I have learned so much more than I expected, all about life and perspective and books that have now changed my life, spirituality and breathwork. So many synchronicities with this podcast and my daily life. Thank you, AJ, for all the work that you do to connect your audience with wise teachers. And I love when AJ says, thank you for sharing. And the wise teacher we have in the midst of us today, who I'm going to introduce in a bit, who is Dr. Mindy Pels. Now, Dr. Mindy Pels is empowering people all over the world to believe in their body's own healing abilities through fasting, diet variation, removing chemicals from the body, and so much more. And she's a recognized leader in the alternative health world and is a founder of Family Life Wellness, her local clinic that is made to speed up healing and maximize performance She's also the founder of the Reset Academy, a private group where she and her team help people implement the principles of fasting and keto and diet variation into their daily lives. She is the host of one of the leading science podcasts, the Resetter podcast and the author of three best-selling books, The Menopause Reset, The Reset Factor and The Reset Kitchen. So Dr. Mindy, thank you so much for appearing on our show today.
2: Oh, thank you, AJ. I'm so excited to be here. And fasting is one of my favorite topics. So I could talk about it all day. So thank you for the opportunity.
3: Absolutely. And I think fasting is one of the most popular topics these days. There are so many misconceptions and myths about dieting, about nutrition. And uh, the more I'm implementing it into my own life, I'm realizing that it's not only convenient, but it's also beneficial in my life. But there are some questions that I'm hoping to explore so that we as a, as a collective, especially our audience, get, get to know more about this quickly growing path. But first, uh, like I usually start with all of our guests, where were you born and brought up?
2: Oh, well, that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. No. <laughs> uh, I, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, at the age of one, I actually moved to Los Angeles. And so I was... Pretty much raised in los angeles
3: interesting and what influence did your parents play in the first seven years of your life
2: uh well you know if we're gonna we're talking health right so i was raised by a health nut mom and my favorite story about my mom was that she had us reading labels on on food before you know that was a thing to do And the minute we could read, we had, we would, if we wanted anything in the grocery store, we had to read the label and tell mom what the label said. And if the first four ingredients in the label had sugar in it, we had to put it back. Now, back in those days, this is like early 70s, we didn't even, there were no chemicals. So there was no chemicals to read. I didn't have any weird names that I had to read, but I had to hunt for sugar. So she, you know, both my parents, um, had a huge influence on me in the in the perspective of health. They prioritized health, not just physical health, but mental health. Um, they're in their 80s to this day. They meditate regularly. They were doing yoga. They also were really big into community. So we always had tons of people over at our home, and um, we, you know, they still prioritize community and health and uh, personal growth. Has been their thing from, uh, from a, my very young age. So I was very right. blessed with some pretty progressive parents.
3: That is so amazing. And the reason why I ask this question is because many of our listeners are in fact moms or dads. And you know you can have podcasts and YouTube channels and books and things like that which children will go through. But in the first seven years, Every belief system or thought process or habit that you can instill, it makes a huge difference. Just like in your family, you used to go to the grocery store and read the label and look for sugar. That's sort of like a game, right? So she gamified the whole experience for you, which indeed was an amazing habit to have.
2: Yeah, agreed, agreed. It it didn't feel like a game at the
3: time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The part of the story that actually is quite funny is I really wanted a fruit roll-up. Mm. And all the kids in elementary school would wrap the fruit roll up around their hand and they they chew on it. But sugar was the fourth ingredient and I couldn't get it. And so it didn't feel like a game, but wow, now I look back on it. What a gift. It was such a gift that they gave that strong foundation to me was incredible.
3: So how did you uh, learn or discover about fasting?
2: Well, here's the funny thing about fasting is I... I'm like the least likely person to be like a fasting guru because mm-hmm. I was hypoglycemic all the time. I was the one that I woke up in the morning and I would immediately have my cup of coffee and a smoothie or a piece of toast. I was the person that if I left the house, I left with a bag of snacks and I was mm-hmm. always you know eating all day long. But um, it was really when I hit my 40s. So when I hit 40, mm. I have one goal. I really wanted to be in the best shape of my life. And at that point, what that meant was a number on the scale. But what I learned is those first couple of years of my 40s, that all my old tricks, exercising, eating well, eating all day, like all the things that I thought, taking supplements, all the things that I thought were made me healthy – Stopped working. And Mm. I didn't, and I started to notice that I wasn't sleeping. I had some anxiety and depression. Um, I just started to not feel like myself. I wasn't able to get like that five to 10 pounds off my midsection. I just couldn't get it to go away no matter how much exercise that I did. Mm. And so about 45, I started seeing the trends in intermittent fasting. And if you're familiar with the research, uh, Dr. Osumi is a Japanese scientist who won the Nobel Prize for, in Medicine and Physiology for, for autophagy. Mm. And from his work, started this intermittent fasting craze. And I watched it from afar for a right. long period of time. And I actually thought to myself, like, I could do it for a day. Maybe yeah. I'll just do it for a day. Mm. And um, once I I'd committed to it, I tried it actually for a week And within a week, like my 383 in the afternoon crash went away. I started sleeping better. I started losing weight for no particular reason.
3: Mm.
2: And it was like after one week, I was hooked.
3: That is amazing. I mean, it's sort of counterintuitive as well, right? I mean, because if somebody who is not used to it might think, hey, why are you starving yourself? You'll be anorexic. You know, that's not good for your body. Yep. But you tried it out, you experimented, you you know, you, you wanted to find out what it whether it would work for you or not, and you noticed a boost in energy because I noticed that even when I had started intermittent fasting before that, I used to have snacks all the time. And especially when yep. I was two thirty three, I would feel really drowsy and, and tired. But that shifted for you, right? You you didn't notice that oh, yeah. tip.
2: Yeah, like three in the afternoon was was brutal. I usually mm. would take a cup of coffee to just get me to over that that yeah. hump. And um, I, now I look back on it, I was probably eating so much in the front end of my day mm. that I was just my blood sugar wasn't stable, so it probably crashed at three in the afternoon. But that went away so fast, mm. and I, I would say the other thing that went away is the brain fog, uh, mm-hmm. the brain clarity that I have from fasting is insane. Yeah. And that I, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I, I think I just wanted to test out this new fad, I had no idea how many different symptoms I was experiencing, um, would be helped by just taking my eating window and compressing it.
3: Got it. So Heather says, thanks for restreaming this Gary says, excited about this episode. Thanks everyone for joining us and thanks to Dr. Mindy for being so supportive. We had some tech issues before that, but she supported us and that's why we're able to stream this and do this live. Uh, Now, Dr. Mindy, talk to us about what happens normally in a person's life. Somebody who's not doing intermittent fasting, what happens? Why do we experience that crash and that what changed maybe in your body that shifted that? How did you get the energy at 3.30 instead of feeling that crash, feeling tired? Yeah.
2: Well, I think the most important thing for people to realize is that there's two ways we get energy. Mm -hmm. One is from sugar and one is from fat. Now, when we say sugar, I don't mean like a Snickers bar. I'm not just talking or a piece of chocolate cake. I mean, anytime you put food into into your body and your blood sugar goes up, you are operating from that energy system and anytime your blood sugar goes down you are forcing your body to go over to this fat burning energy system now between these two energy systems what's so fascinating is that the fat burning energy system is actually more efficient for the body your body your brain would actually prefer to operate from it you have more sustained energy you're you're using literally energy from your fat cells Mm -hmm. And your body starts to make something called ketones. So when it's over here in this fat-burning energy system, it'll make these ketones. And then these ketones go up into the brain and they energize the brain. They can actually go in and heal neurons as well. Um, So we need to get – I mean if there was like a magic wand I could could wave over everybody right now, it would be like let's teach people how to get into this fat-burning energy system. And the other interesting thing the fat-burning energy system does is it stops viral replication. So if any bacteria, any viruses come into a cell that's operating from the fat-burning energy system, it doesn't replicate. So there's a huge immune uh, component to it. Mm. But as long as you're eating all day, doesn't matter what you're eating. Let's say you're a vegetarian and you're super healthy and you're eating high-quality food but you're eating it all day, you're still Mm. operating – from that sugar system, so you've got to get yourself over to this fat burning system if you want that limitless, what I call limitless energy place.
3: Interesting. So basically, you're through a set of practices, you're training your body to derive energy from fat instead of getting energy from the sugar. And like you mentioned, it's more sustainable. The body craves to draw energy from fat uh, because it's more long lasting compared to yeah. t- compared to the more sugar. Efficient. More efficient, exactly. So, uh, what is ketosis? I mean, along the same lines, what is ketosis, and how is it related to fasting?
2: Yeah. So, ketosis—all that is—that's kind of become like a buzzword, right? Yeah. <laughs> and all, all ketosis is—is is it's you've you're now—it's a sign that you are now operating from the fat-burning energy system, and mm. it's like a it's like a signal. When we see ketones, come on, ketones show us that the liver, because that's where that conversion has to happen. That the liver has made the conversion.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so a state of ketosis, and I want to point out that it's nutritional ketosis because mm-hmm. diabetics really worry about ketoacidosis. But this is nutritional ketosis. Low levels of ketosis is a really healthy place to operate from. And it, the the measurement of that is the sign of ketones. Mm-hmm. But it's more than just, I mean, from a, from a feeling standpoint, the, and I, I'm sure you've had this experience as well. Is you just have such great mental clarity, mm. uh, your energy never dips because over here in the sugar burner system, you've got to you're, you've got to keep eating to keep the energy up. In the fat burning system, the the less you eat, the longer you go, the more ketones you make, and that energy system is like a supercharger to the brain and to the body. It will lower inflammation down, and you're literally burning your own fat. Yeah, so. It's you lose weight. Now, a lot of people come to fasting to lose weight. Yeah. But I'm like, hey, this whole, this is like, that's like buying yourself a big mansion because you loved the front door. Yeah. You know, it's like the whole house has some really cool things in it.
3: Right. So weight, weight loss is just a byproduct, right? You can do it for that. That's right. But there are so many other benefits that you can accrue from this uh, right. that once you learn about it, you'll be like, that's amazing. I'm losing weight. But look at this side. Yeah. You know how much I'm learning, and and speaking about this um, long word might sound confusing, but it's very very beneficial. Which is autophagy. What is autophagy, and how is it related to intermittent fasting? What's happening inside our body that's so good for us?
2: You know what's so funny about the word autophagy is the um, on my YouTube channel the video that went viral that took my, my, is it was a video on autophagy and I like, who would have thought that the lay person wanted to know about autophagy, but it is, it is really cool concept. So here's what autophagy is. What we have learned in the last, let's see, probably last six or seven years Mm -hmm. is that through science is that when our blood sugar goes down for a significant period of time, they say it's about 17 hours. So at about the 17-hour mark, mm-hmm. it creates a signal to the cells to start to become more efficient. Mm. So, And by efficient, I mean that the cell senses that it's not getting any glucose coming into it. And so it it creates this reaction where it turns within the cell and it says, okay, we better eat the bacteria in here, we better eat the... The viruses, the pathogens, we're going to have to clean this up. We need to go to the mitochondria. We need to start to repair the mitochondria and the endoplastic reticulum. We need to make this cell more efficient Mm -hmm. because we don't know when glucose is coming. So it's this inherent mechanism in our cells to make themselves stronger, but you got to go 17 hours without food to really maximize it. Although I will say there's other ways to get autophagy, uh, exercise is one, mm-hmm. um, sleep is one. So we are we, autophagy is working often, but fasting is a really hyper speed to autophagy.
3: Wow. And I'm sure people listening to this episode right now, just hearing about how amazing the body is right? in terms of its innate intelligence and wanting to not just survive, but thrive beyond it. Right? We talk about miracles. This is the ultimate miracle of the human body, which is autophagy. Once you you know, cross that seventeen hour the body is awakening its inner intelligence and discovering we don't need that. We need this, right? How can we yep. I mean autophagy literally means eating your own self, right? Isn't that isn't that yes. what it means?
4: Yes.
3: Self eating. <laughs> yeah. But
2: and it, it or people think of it as self detox. The other thing it does when you stimulate autophagy Mm -hmm. is the best way to to look at it is you're turning this intelligence on inside the cell that knows what that cell needs better than you do. And so sometimes what that intelligence decides is, hey, this cell is a a cancer cell or this cell is going to become a cancer cell, so I better kill it. So it creates something called apoptosis where instead of cleaning it up, it kills it. Well, this is awesome because if I have a cancer cell inside of me, I don't want it to replicate. Mm. I want an intelligence to come in and kill it before it turns into more cancer cells. So there's really like two sides to it. It makes the cell efficient. It detoxes those pathogens. And then sometimes it decides to kill it so that it can get rid of the ones that are going to turn into something really
4: harmful for you.
3: Yeah, and something came up, came to my mind right now is sometimes we think about the fact that we are this one individual, we're this human being, but mm. what we don't realize is that we're actually a, a country, a nation of cells.
4: Mm. I
2: love that.
3: And if love, each cell exactly is right. thinking on its own, then yeah. it's efficient. That's, okay, that's yeah. wonderful.
2: I love that. That's a great analogy.
3: So, uh, Dr. Mindy, like, you know, taking a few steps back, why do humans crave to have things that are sweet or salty or crispy, right? We have this innate craving that sometimes if it goes unchecked, leads to binge eating. We spend three, four hours watching, watching Netflix and munching all those chips, that oily, nice, crispy chips. What is, from an evolutionary standpoint, why do we, why do we crave these foods? <laughs> uh,
2: well, so the number one reason, and this is the one that nobody talks enough about, is because of the bacteria in your gut. Okay. So, you literally have uh, healthy bacteria, they're not all bad, that will send signals up to the mouth and to the brain and say, hey, this is what I want you to feed me, like mm-hmm. chocolate. There's some really interesting studies showing that people who crave chocolate have a very specific gut bacteria. Okay. And that gut bacteria lives off of chocolate, so it, for, it sends messages up to get you to eat it so it can stay alive. We also know this from anybody who's ever had candida. They'll tell you, oh my gosh, my sweets, the sweets are so important for me. Mm. So, and that's because there's a fungus in their gut that wants to keep them alive. So, you have that part of it. Mm -hmm. The other part is really based around dopamine, which is my favorite neurotransmitter. We live in a very dopamine rich world right now. You know, the fact that you and I can connect like this so easily, you know, in two different parts of the world, the fact that people can listen in. We don't realize that that actually is creating a dopamine reaction. Mm. Those of us that sit on our couch and we order food and it appears at our front door, that is dopamine. Mm. So there are certain foods that when we eat them, they create dopamine. In fact, they've even shown that like let's use a chocolate cake as an example. Mm. Let's say you love chocolate cake and it's sitting there on the table. And you haven't even put it in your mouth. You, just the act of going to reach for that chocolate cake is giving you a dopamine spike. Mm. So we, so between the microbiome, between um, our, our need for more dopamine, we, it, those tend to, cro- to control our cravings a lot more than just mindset.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
1: That is
3: so interesting and maybe people who are listening to this right now can take a moment and pause and think about what do you have a craving more for? Is it more crunchy stuff? Is it more oily stuff? Uh, you know, Or is it some salty or sweet stuff? Because like we're learning right now, it has some connection to the microbiome, to the gut bacteria that is sending signals uh, to your body. Okay, so the other question I had, uh, Dr. Mindy, was you talk often about uh, the a toxic reset. So why do we need one?
2: Oh, my gosh. This is such <laughs> a great concept or such a great conversation. So yeah. here, here's what I... Uh, if I could get a message out to everybody, mm-hmm. I would want people to understand that our human body is very primitive. We yeah. are literally living in the same structure and the same design as cave people did.
4: Right.
2: So we, e- even though we can... Put a man on the moon or put uh, – I think we just sent a rover to Mars, like whatever. We have all this incredible technology that has advanced, mm-hmm. but the human body hasn't. The human body is basically the same. Mm-hmm. But we are living in a modern world that is dramatically changed. We are living in the most toxic time in human history. Mm-hmm. So our poor little body is very ancient and old school And today's world is causing so much destruction to our cells. We call it the toxic bucket, where people's toxic bucket is just building, building, building. And they don't even know it because we're living in a world that is filled with toxins. You can use... Like glyphosate, for example. Glyphosate is sprayed on all of our agriculture, uh, our farming. It's now in our atmosphere, so when it rains, it comes down. Mm-hmm. And glyphosate, we know, is, is a cancer-causing chemical. Um, we know that things like lead. I was listening last night to Erin Brockovich, and mm-hmm. she is still talking about water, if you followed any of her stuff. And she, she had a quote that just, boom, hit me right in, in, my, in my frontal lobe, she said um, there, it, it, lead is still extremely prevalent in America right now. Mm. There, we have lead everywhere. So our environment is more toxic than ever, and all of these self-healing mechanisms that we have are struggling. This right. is why I love fasting, because you're tapping into that self-healing every day so that you can bring the toxic load down. But we—it's a different world. Even I'm 51 years old. It's a different world than when I was, you know, 10. When I was reading the ingredients with my mom, mm-hmm. we didn't have chemicals. There mm-hmm. were no chemicals to read. There was real food in those. If you walk into your grocery store today and you go into the center aisles and you pick up some cookies, I promise you, three fourths of those words you won't be able to pronounce. Mm-hmm. So we—we we really have a human crisis because, or a health crisis because of the toxic load. That we're living
3: in. And so what are some of the different ways? I know you mentioned uh, a few of them, but just for somebody to get an idea and understanding, what are some different ways in which toxins and heavy metals and things that are not good for our body enter our body and affect us?
2: Yeah. So the uh, first way is through the gut and there's something called leaky gut. So our guts are really smart. Again, we're so well designed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have, we have a like mucosal lining that is protective. um, That doesn't allow toxins to get into our bloodstream. So that's our first line of defense if we eat something that has a toxin in it. But back to glyphosate, there are certain foods, pesticides, but specifically glyphosate that creates this leaky gut situation, and it opens up this protective barrier. So all of a sudden now undigested food particles can get in, Toxins can get into our bloodstream and they will go right up to the brain. Mm -hmm. Once they go up to the brain, they wear away the blood brain barrier. Mm. The blood brain barrier is protecting our brain. So they start to, it's just like a parasite that starts to wear away at that barrier. Mm -hmm. So now when we're breathing in air pollution or um, we're breathing in, Uh, Mold or something that is in our environment that's not healthy, it's getting direct access. Or air fresheners, like you know, there's so many Mm. people sensitive to perfumes right now because they're so toxic and they're just getting direct access up into your brain. So, the first thing that we've got to do is close these barriers off, Mm -hmm. and then the second thing I always tell people is really be sensitive to where you're getting toxins. You it's not You know, it's not as simple as you can't just walk into the grocery store, pick up food and take it home. You really need to start reading ingredients. Uh, Same thing with all the stuff you put on your skin. Like all of that has now gone to a whole new toxic level that we need to be aware of.
3: Got it. Got it. Okay, so basically what you're saying is that we need to be more vigilant when we're going uh, to the grocery and – you know, purchasing uh, stuff that we need for our home, what should we look for? Like you've sort of alluded to the fact that if something is too long and hard to pronounce, and maybe that's a no-no, anything else that we should, uh, you know, potentially be looking for?
2: Well, there, it depends on how like deep into the concepts you want to go. But I would say the first thing is if you have the means, if you can buy organic, it, or, buying organic is not just for crazy people. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's for people who wanna who wanna uh, accelerate their health and prolong their life. So, if you have the resources and you can buy organic, I would really encourage you to. If you're really financially tight, then you can do the EWG has the, the Clean 15 and the Dirty, the Dirty Dozen, the Clean 15, where they map out which vi- uh, supplements you really should be avoiding and, and making sure you buy organic. So you can go to their, their site to look at that. So look at organic. Um, I would also say what you put on your skin matters, and there are some great apps on your phone uh, two of my favorite, one is called Think Dirty, mm-hmm. funny name, and put out by the Breast, Breast Cancer Prevention uh, Fund. And it, you, I, you can go around your house and just on your phone, you can scan your products and find out uh, what they are, if they're cancer-causing, if they are cause allergies. Um, so that's a really easy way to do it. Uh, there's another great app called Skin Deep. Mm-hmm. Um so you, you can you got to be it's almost like you have to be aware that what's coming into your home what's going into your mouth could be toxic. So start reading labels, buy organic buy non-GMO if you can. Um and then look at your beauty products and your household cleaners and and really look look at it through a toxic lens and and understand that just because they put it in the grocery store doesn't mean it's safe. And that is the hardest
3: thing for us to grasp. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, first step for people who are on this journey of understanding um, how toxins are entering their lives is to uh, download this app. You said Think Dirty, right?
2: Think Dirty is my favorite. Yeah. Okay,
3: so download this app and sort of uh, scan the stuff that uh, is lying around in your home and uh, find out are these uh, Yeah. You know, are these things that are already in your home, are they carcinogenic? Are they bad for your family? And once you have this informal audit, then you can become more aware. So someone says, Glad to hear that these apps are there. Sorry, you guys. Yeah, another
2: trick is is because it's such a daunting task. So another trick is when you run out of your favorite lotion or shampoo. Or you, your favorite household cleaner is ask yourself, okay, how could I get a, a cleaner version of this, a more organic version of this? And um, that has been helpful for some people just to take this big idea of detoxifying and break it down, so that over maybe six months to a year, like one of the things that was the last thing I detoxed in my kitchen, and it just hit me one day, I went down into my in, downstairs into my kitchen and I just took all plastics out, I just all the Tupperware and And I had been detoxing for several years at that point, and it was like for some reason I was I, I hadn't made that final step with the with the toxic uh, plastics so it's a process
3: so how do these plastics affect us I mean I've heard that uh, some of these plastics are not good for us when it comes to Tupperware and things that you would imagine are not so bad for you how does how do they affect us yeah um,
2: there's a, so there's a couple things. If we go back to the cell again, yeah. the first thing to realize is on the outside of the cell are little receptor sites. Mm-hmm. And so these receptor sites are allowing hormones in, and like insulin and estrogen and progesterone. They allow nutrients in like vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And so if you have what happens is with plastics, toxins, neurotoxins, specifically endocrine disruptors, they sit in those receptor sites. Mm -hmm. So let's use vitamin D as an example. I think everybody should be really focused on their vitamin D levels right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I could go downstairs and just take a ton of vitamin D but if my cells are all gooped up with toxins, that mm-hmm. vitamin D is not going to get into the cell. And mm-hmm. vitamin D is a great example because you hear this from people who test their vitamin D and they're not seeing any change. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because there's no opening for the vitamin D to go into. So with plastics, you got to remember that there's, you know, plastics is an interesting one. They're very clear, that there's no human on the planet right now who does not have plastic inside of them. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter if you have it, it's a matter of how much you have. And so plastics will go in and they will block those receptor sites. This has become so prevalent that they actually have a category of a name for it now and they call it obesogens. Mm -hmm. And they're starting to see that insulin resistance, diabetes, obesity Mm -hmm. has a toxic piece to it. Well, gosh, when you start to, like, break that down, you go, so my plastic water bottle Mm. that, you know, I leave in my car and it heats up and the plastic goes into it and then I drink the water, that could be making me weight loss resistant. You know, that is a mind-blowing idea, but it's reality for so many humans.
3: So for somebody who is, I mean, the moment you go down this rabbit hole, you realize that you're living in a pretty dangerous world, Right. right? You're living in a toxic yep. home. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, so, is there some kind of test that one can take in order to understand how much plastic that I have in my body right now?
2: Yeah, there are there's a, a couple environmental tests. Okay. Um, so, uh, Vibrant Wellness is our favorite testing place. Um, mm-hmm. We don't do a lot of uh, environmental tests because we just assume people have it. Yep. Um, but what we do do a lot of tests are heavy metals. So the reason that heavy metals are the most harmful is because they tend to accumulate in the brain,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and they will lead to Alzheimer's and dementia, and memory loss. They also can go into the part of the brain, the hippoc- uh, hippocampus, uh, the hypothalamus, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland. They'll go in there, and they can affect mood, memory, hormones. So heavy metals are the probably the worst. Uh, mercury is in our fish it's in our mouth it's in our medications and our flu shots uh lead is actually passed down from different generations mm-hmm. so lead can live in your bones and when a mom is pregnant that lead will come out and go into the baby yeah. and so then it gets passed down lead is now in our water um so there there are some you know all toxins are not created equal Mm-hmm. So plastics, interesting thing about plastics is you have to accumulate a lot of plastics before you have some a symptom of like weight loss resistance. Well, with heavy metals, you don't have to c- accumulate very many mm-hmm. in order to start to see some detrimental effects to your body. And it usually affects your hormones and it usually affects your brain um, and things like insomnia. Uh, women going through menopause often experience this the most. So each toxin has a little different impact on the body.
3: Yeah, and I came across one of your previous episodes and I think you did, you spoke about it during one of your interviews, but you mentioned that especially lead can be passed down from uh, parent to offspring for up to four generations. Is that correct? Yeah.
2: Yes, four generations. It's crazy. They, uh there are studies that what they did on mice where mm-hmm. they watched how they introduced lead into the mouse and then they mated the mouse and then they saw that the lead continued on by the fourth generation no by the mm-hmm. fifth generation it had stopped yeah, but that one whatever you know so if you think about that that means your grandma your parents your grandmother your great what your great grandmother was exposed to can have an influence on you
3: mm-hmm. Right. So when they say that, uh, you know, trauma is also can be intergenerational, yep. right? And if if they're finding that lead can be present, then it sort yep. of builds the case for collective trauma that can be passed on from one generation yep. to the other. And the good thing is somebody can realize right now and they can put a stop to it once and for That's all. That's right.
2: Yes. Oh, and here's our vision in right. our clinic. We want to start teaching women before they get pregnant to detox. Mm. So what if before – and men too because the, yeah. what, the toxins in a man yeah. can change the, the DNA of the sperm and that can affect how the, what genes get passed down that way. But if you took couples and you detox them a, a year before they actually had a child – that you're now we're putting a stab at, at stopping that continual uh, uh, hand down of the toxic load. You know, our great grandparents didn't mm-hmm. have the toxic levels that we have in our modern world right now. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to this generation? To these twenty-year-olds, these thirty-year-olds? Yeah. They are so highly toxic. What's going to happen when they start to reproduce? What are they, What load are they passing down? Yeah. It's, cra- it's crazy. It's mind-blowing when you start to wrap your head around it. And it's honestly, toxins is like a really depressing topic, mm-hmm. but it's one that has to be talked about because we can make take personal action. Mm-hmm. And we can make personal steps to lower our load so that we don't keep spe- uh, passing it on generation after generation.
3: Absolutely, and what a gift it'll be for a child who does not have to receive those toxins, but instead gets wisdom and blessings and and kindness. And you know, I know this topic might be, uh, you know, might create some level of guilt in in parents that you know I didn't yeah. know that I should have done this. It's not about what you should or could have done. It's about now that you know that, what can you do? Um, That's right in the in the present say, moment. <laughs>
2: yeah, we say when you know better you do better and um, it's I think it's very important as a mom myself you can't you know you can't you didn't know like how nobody it's not a, this is why doing podcasts like this is so important mm-hmm. because we have to talk about it we got to bring it up so we can right. be, we can Educate each other on it. And in that, we have to have a a general rule that we're not going to beat ourselves up. We're not going to beat our parents up. We're not going to have any shame or guilt around it. It's just this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so let's start to do it different. Let's pass this information down differently.
3: Yeah. And you you did mention that, you know, these heavy metals have an influence not only on our bodies, but on our brains as well, as well as the uh, things within our brain, like our pineal Mm. gland and pituitary gland. And one aspect of of this is also, you know, the sleep cycles. But the other aspect, right, is our spiritual experience, right? Because the pineal gland Mm. is, you know, they say it's a seed of the intuition Mm. and our connector to that, which is beyond the whale. So I'm guessing that that's you know, holding us back from experiencing those amazing feelings of deep connection and realization that we're not these separate, you know, small little beings that we are in fact connected to every animal and, uh, and plant and living being that there is. So I'm guessing it's holding us back, right? From having that full transcendent human experience.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I got chills as you were saying that. Um, yes, for sure. I mean, we look at it from a functional medicine standpoint that, uh, the pineal gland is melatonin. So it will dramatically affect sleep if you have toxins hanging out in there. Um, but you're right. I mean, from a spiritual standpoint, the way, here's what's really, and we can really go deep on this, on this topic. But, uh, when you look at it, go down into the neuron level in the brain, neurons are like, uh, like little finger like projections mm-hmm. and they're carrying information. And that information at the end of that those little neurons are called dendrites. Mm-hmm. And the dendrites are where the heavy metals hang out. Yeah. So when you're getting some information, you're getting a thought, and that thought stops. Yeah. So this is for those people that are like, Oh, what what was I saying? I was or you walk into a room and you're like, how did that why did I go in there? Where did I put my keys? A lot of times what's happened is that that you had a thought, but it wasn't able to hop to another neuron because Mm. at the end of the neurons were metals. So Mm. now let's go into the pineal gland. Okay, well, the seat of consciousness and you have trillions, just like you have 72 trillion uh, cells in your body, mm-hmm. you have trillions of neurons in your brain. Yeah. And they're all communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. And so what these metals end up doing is they slow that communication. Right. So inspiration, um, deep thoughts, um, ability to even go into some of these deeper meditative states, all of that can be hindered by the presence of metals.
3: You know, firstly, I think I can speak for all, everyone listening right now. I wish that I had a science teacher like you when I was a kid. I, I don't know where I would have been by now because I would really understand everything going on in the neurons and the dendrites and how this affects our thought process. But it's so true, you know. I just came across this quote by Michio Kaku the other day when I was researching about, uh, you know, creating an episode that connects what's happening in the brain to breathwork, because I'm a breathwork instructor. But he said that our brain is the most complicated object in the known universe. Yeah, Isn't that crazy? Yes. Like we look at Mars and we look at everything happening around, we look at the depth of the ocean, we look out in the sky, but what's in between our ears, that is, as far as we know and understand, the most complicated uh, instrument or thing in the known universe and if these heavy so metals are not allowing the messages to pass from one neuron to the other, just imagine what yep. your potential, true potential is as an individual, yep. as a human being. This episode is brought to you by me, AJ, because I'm offering you a free Breathwork foundation course. If you've been interested in exploring breathwork and learning about the why behind breathwork, including the science and evidence that makes this ancient practice so amazing, then you gotta check out this course. You will discover how to correct your breathing, how to boost your immunity and protect yourself from pathogens and bacteria, what the ancients told us about breath, how to lose weight using breathwork, how to improve sleep, digestion and mental clarity using a simple breathing technique, so come enroll in this free course and learn the basics of breathwork by going to my7chakras.com forward slash free breathwork course. That's my seven is a word my 7 forward slash free breathwork course. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free breathwork course. <laughs>
2: Yeah and and the, the the piece on that that is so sad is that mm-hmm. we label the aging brain in in acceptable ways. We yeah. say, "Oh, you're in you're in like menopause for example. Oh, you're going through menopause. Yeah. yeah. You're supposed to be a little cranky. You're supposed to be a little depressed. That's yeah. not true." Uh, oh, you're in your 60s. Yeah, you're losing your memory. Of yeah. course, you should be learning, losing your memory. Exactly. Like the, but the, this is a pliable organism, and it can regenerate. You can, like, some of the studies I found on fasting yeah. shows that, like, a 48 hour fast will reset your dopamine pathways in your brain, and yep. you actually will grow new dendrites coming off these neurons mm-hmm. that will accelerate the flow of dopamine from one neuron to the next from a 48 hour fast. Yeah, I'm like, whoa. So there is so much that to be discovered about the brain that we have to make a promise to ourselves mm-hmm. that we will not accept a diagnosis that limits our potential because yeah. there's so, the human body was meant to live to 120. It comes right. with these self-repair mechanisms. Those mechanisms didn't leave you at 60. You have another mm-hmm. 60 years that you're built to live for. It's just that you haven't been taught how your body is. You're living in this crazy modern world. Yeah. So we've got to tap into podcasts like yours, where we're bringing the power back in a in a loving way. We're we're looking within, right? And saying we're in control here. We just didn't weren't given the manual on how to use this body.
3: Yeah, that's way true, and I love what you shared there about how we sort of relegate the joy and happiness to young people and once you're once you've grown old you're not supposed to have fun because yesterday i went shopping i bought some clothes and i told my mom and my mom was like yeah yeah you should buy clothes you're young right now you need to dress well and and feel happy and i said that's not true why why should i feel happy just because i'm younger right if you're 55 or 65 or 75 or 85 you deserve like happiness is your birthright it's just like yep. you pointed out we don't know we don't have that manual to how to feel happy we let our genetics limit our full expression of life but the truth is like you're pointing out if we you know explore intermittent fasting if we know how to breathe if we hang out with people that support us and elevate us we will feel younger young uh, being right. young is just a feeling right uh, there's yeah. a difference between getting old and feeling old
2: yeah you know what one of the reasons i even got into understanding heavy metals is i started to see my patients when they came in the clinic mm. they were i had 40 and 50 year olds telling me that they were dramatically losing their memory mm. and now at this point i had been in practice about 15 years so yeah. this was about 10 years ago and I was like, what? Like, why is everybody losing their memory? What's mm. going on? Yeah. And that's when I started to look into what environmentally was going on. Now, you can take that and you could ask the same question as to why do we have so many children with learning disabilities? Why do we have so many teenagers with anxiety? These are all the same co- chronic toxic issue that, w- that is damaging the brain. Mm-hmm. And we're just giving them fancy labels yeah. and the, the challenge when we give it a fa- fancy label is that we make it acceptable. Right. And it's not acceptable. Let's take the diagnosis away and then ask, okay, I'm 50 and I'm not I don't have the memory that I had, you know, 3 years ago. Yeah. So what what did I do different in the last 3 years? You know, my child isn't learning to read. What is there potentially that's going wrong with the brain? but we go quickly to the diagnosis and forget that there's an intelligence in the body that has been interfered with by this toxic load.
3: That's very true. And I was hoping to go down the route of fasting. I mean, fasting, there are so many different types of fasting. I know you've got multiple articles on your website that explore this. And sometimes people get caught up with the terms oh mad and too mad and different words like that well you know broadly speaking what are some of the different types of fast that somebody can do
2: yeah so here's the order in which i like to put fasting so it Mm kind of gives people steps to understand okay i think the most most common one is intermittent fasting and to me intermittent fasting is 13 to 15 hours without food and there's tremendous amount of research. The most popular study that has been done was pu- uh, published in the New England Journal of Medicine in December of 2019. They had reviewed over 1,500 peer-reviewed articles, which is almost insane. Yep. And they came out and said intermittent fasting should be your first line of treatment for diabetes, mm-hmm. for uh, obesity, Alzheimer's, dementia – asthma, multiple sclerosis, um, and pre, you should use it as a tool, pre and post-surgery. Okay. So and really cool. Um, that So intermittent fasting is, should be part of our lifestyle. The second layer that we talk about is what I call autophagy fasting, and that shows up around 17 hours. You click. We've already talked about autophagy. This is where that autophagy intelligence kicks in and it starts to repair itself. Yep. The, the um, 24 hours is what a lot of people call one meal a day or the OMADs. Right. And there's a lot of OMADs out there. In fact, they all, <laughs> a couple of years ago, they all found my YouTube channel and yeah. they were like asking me questions and it was really, they, it was like a cult of OMADs. Yeah. So, uh, so, but OMAD is just all, it's just an acronym for one meal a day. Right. And what that is, is the science behind it is 24 hours without food reboots your intestinal stem cells. And so it makes it so that you can re like any kind of gut issue if you've been on antibiotics and you've destroyed 90% of the bacteria you can really refertilize and reboot your intestinal microbes through a 24-hour fast. Um, the other ones that get thrown out there are like 186 you hear a lot of that that means mm-hmm. or 168 people throw it around different that just means 18 hours you're fasting and 6 hours you're eating. So those are, those are kind of the biggie terms that I hear. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that, uh, you know, the 72-hour fast became very popular uh, in the cancer world because yep. of Dr. Walter Longo. The, what they found at 17, 72 hours is you got a massive surge of stem cells, specifically white blood cells, and so your immune system, which was great for cancer patients.
3: That is amazing. So you're telling me, that at a certain point, after 72 hours approximately, if you're fasting, then you are essentially allowing your stem cells to proliferate throughout the body. Are these the bone marrow stem cells?
2: Uh, They're white blood cells, was what he did them on. There have been other studies showing bone marrow, yes, and musculoskeletal. So I always used the example, I had a, an Achilles tendon injury yeah. that just wasn't healing. I don't, I, it wouldn't go away for any, any, anything I threw at it. Yeah. And so I threw a five-day water fast at it, and okay. by the fifth day, it was gone, never came back. So what happened is I got two days of stem cells, so stem cells kicked in on that third day, and then the stem cells went in and repaired the, the Achilles tendon. So, this is what, when I say our bodies are intelligent, yeah. like we, we, have, we don't give them enough credit. We have so many internal mechanisms. Yeah. And what I find fascinating is the sh- we're, we've been in, in the world of nutrition, we've been over here debating food. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about paleo, vegan, keto, carnivore, you know, what, and we're debating that. And yeah. we can debate that for, je- for, you know, decades and decades. Yeah. But guess what, what we need to be talking more about is how are we leaning into fasting because no. we are meant to go in and out of these two energy states. So right. we've completely missed the whole conversation around fasting, which is why I love having conversations like this with you.
3: Yeah, so it's like all this while we, we've been talking about what should I eat, what should I eat, what should I eat, the conversation we should be having about is, hey, here's what you should not eat and how That's long right. you shouldn't eat for. That's right. Right, right, right. Or,
2: or even more important is when should you eat? When should you eat? Not when you should eat and what you should eat mm-hmm. should be of equal importance.
3: And I'm just thinking because I'm a breathwork instructor. I love breathwork. But there's one technique within uh, pranayama where you do this nishesh rechak uh, pranayama where you're holding your breath inducing brief intermittent hypoxia. And that also has the effect of the mm. proliferation of yeah. stem cells. So I'm thinking, what if I do this long fast, right? And then after that, I do a wonderful, long, deep breathwork session. And I'll get, you know, the stem cell benefits from both sides, from the fasting as well as from Love the breathwork. So it's going to be, I'm going to try that out. Yeah, let
2: me know. Report back. Let me know. I Here's what I find about the three to five day water fast. Yeah is usually about day 4 my mind just goes completely quiet mm. like there the amount and i mean that in a very positive way yeah. the amount of thoughts that are coming through my mind at that point mm-hmm. are probably a third maybe one one fourth of what they are on a day when i'm you know eating and fasting together so there's something so cool. It's The way it feels for me is like my energy goes just completely inward. Mm-hmm. My thoughts slow down and the inspiration you get, the the ahas you get, yeah. uh, unreal. So yeah. you try that with the intermittent hypoxia and yeah, you're going to – I can't wait to see what you discover.
3: Yeah, for sure. And also what came to my mind was fasting has been practiced across various civilizations, and traditions for thousands of years, right? Yeah. If you look yep. at maybe the yeah. Muslims, every you know, religion. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, but, every religion. Uh, so when people get scared about fasting, yeah. I'm like, well, but we, but we, they were fasting, you know, centuries ago. Hmm. So, and every religion has it built into their religious practices. Um, so it's it's not to be scared; it's to be understood. Um, It's how your body was designed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say that if you go back and you think about your your caveman ancestors, Mm -hmm. they came out of the cave and they looked around in the morning. They didn't see a refrigerator. They didn't see a pantry. (laughs) So they had to go find their food. Yeah. Now – If fasting killed you, as a human species, we would not be alive now because they wouldn't have had enough energy to go find that food Mm -hmm. and be able to reproduce and keep the the human species going. So instead, what happened is they were operating from this fat-burning energy system. So they Mm -hmm. got ketones. And ketones made them stronger, smarter, faster, more energized so that they could go and get food. And then when they could make that kill, they could bring the kill back, they bring the food back and yeah. they were meant to feast. Well that that's how we're still meant to do to be. The only problem is we wake up in the morning and the refrigerator is right there. Yeah. And we and we and so we get sucked into what the quality of food what's in the refrigerator and we forget that this whole other system is still there. It's never left us.
3: Yeah, and I think what is happening is we are remembering you know who we truly are, like you said. Our body hasn't evolved that much. We are still, in a way, cave men and cave women. And our ancestors used to go out in the open, have like a cold dip in the ocean, uh, mm. spend days in the dark cave. You know, just contemplating or finding out who they truly were, or maybe you know looking underneath the rock and finding a mushroom and wondering what that mushroom is and eating it and going for days uh, uh, without food. And so yeah. we are meant to live this feast and famine lifestyle and are opening the fridge and having all these different sweets and savories to spend the morning munching, munching down. Yep. On. So <laughs> that's interesting. It's,
2: yeah. It's it, it, when you start to like go into the nuances of this, you go, Oh my God, no wonder we have chronic disease. No mm. wonder we have so many immune compromised people. We have not been living in accordance with how the human body was designed. Mm-hmm. And all of our modern conveniences have been incredible. Don't get me wrong. right? But they have taken us back from the essence of how our human body wants to be treated. And what I love about fasting is you can hear that and then – but you don't – it can still be scary. But if I take food out of the equation, if I take food away from somebody, yep. they're forced to have to trust themselves. Mm. And they're forced to have to look within because they have there's no other place to look and all the limiting beliefs will come up and all you know and the and the brain will start to go crazy but the more you do it the more you tap in to this intelligence inside your body and you go whoa like i i didn't know how powerful i was now you can hear me say this on a podcast but once you experience it you'll never go back to eating six meals a day again
3: Yeah, that's interesting, because there's a phase, right, when you're first getting into fasting, where your body is not used to having or creating this energy from the fat, where this phase where there's a lot of temptation, there's a lot of internal dialogue, there's a lot of hesitation that's going on, should I have done this or not? Talk to us about that phase, where a person might go through, they've decided to fast, and now it's like this phase where you you know you're close to the milestone, you're close to the finish line, but you're like having second thoughts, and a lot of st- stuff is going on inside. What's happening inside?
2: Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of things you can do. A lot of people, what if we kind of walk through how you get into like a really good fifteen, seventeen hour fast yeah. um, phase? Um, I always say that there's two parts of the equation. One is when you're eating, start thinking about stabilizing your blood sugar. So take out the refined flours, the refined sugars, eat the good oils. Like the, That will help your fasting so much easier. But then slowly start to co- take your eating window and compress it so you're eating in shorter a shorter period of time and fasting in a longer period of time. So this starts by pushing breakfast back an hour, Do that for a couple of days, and then you can push breakfast back two hours, and then you can push it back three hours, and then it's like once you get your groove, you can keep going. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you do if you're like, hey, I want to try a 24-hour fast, and I've only done 15, and every time I get to 17, I'm like, okay, I want to give up. Yeah. So there's two things you can do there, actually like three. The first is remember that there is something called a hormetic stress.
4: Mm.
2: A hormetic stress is that when you just push the body to just a, a little bit of a stressful point, you build stronger.
0: Mm. So
2: if the brain is saying, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to pass out. This is horrible. Actually, in that moment, your, your cells are becoming stronger. Mm. So repattern what the brain is saying. I, I typically, when I hit like a point where I'm trying to decide, am I going to eat lunch? Am I not going to eat lunch? I'm kind of hungry. Do I have time to eat lunch? What I've trained my brain to say is just hang on. Ketones are coming. And when I, mm-hmm. when I just calm the brain down and just say, just wait, it's coming, what you're doing is you're reminding yourself that you're going from the sugar burner to the fat burner and that once that switch happens and ketones come, then it, ketones will go up into the brain, and they will shut off the hunger hormone. Right. And when they shut off the hunger hormone, you're not gonna you're not gonna care anymore. So that's one thing. Is that's the mindset. The second thing I would say is I love measuring. So to get a little blood reader, measure your blood, measure ketones, so that you can know for sure you're you're not dying, right? Yeah. Like if you can look and you can go oh, my ketones are only at 0.5 right now, I'm probably going to be okay. So knowing your numbers is really important. And then the last wonderful hack that we use a lot is just if you are really like, let's say you want to go 24 hours, you're 15 hours in, you don't know if you can make it, try a scoop of fat. Try some ghee, Mm. try some MCT oil, because fat will kill the hunger hormone. It won't take you out of the ketogenic a burning energy burning system and it can be that thing that will just bring you to the finish line with your fast
3: that is interesting so maybe in the morning like i have a coffee with some butter or maybe with some ghee because that's gonna yeah. really allow you to go down that finish line and have your first meal maybe at 1 or 1 30
2: that's right <clears throat> Yep, that's exactly what I do. I do ghee, I'll do some MCT oil, maybe a little bit bit of organic cream, and I'll have that in the morning. And so now I've started the day off by moving myself over to this fat-adapted system. And and that extra fat will actually start to get you to make more ketones. And Mm. the more ketones you make, the more the hunger shuts down. So it is a good little tool. Some some people even will do it a, another cup of coffee at right. noon. Yeah. I'm I'm not. I, or tea, you could do tea. If you, I just don't like that much caffeine.
3: That's true, and I think you should have a T-shirt. Maybe <laughs> keep calm and keep fasting. You know the, <laughs> <laughs> those, Keep calm and Alexa. keep fasting. So, <laughs> or what about like <laughs> keep
2: calm? The ketones are coming.
3: <laughs> keep calm and key, you know and the ketones are coming yeah with with an army of <laughs> ketones but <below. laughs> uh, that's a
4: good idea
3: but um, and i think we spoke about this prior to this interview but how is fasting different for men versus women is yeah. there a more nuanced it, nuanced uh, difference over there yeah or?
2: yeah so the, there's a lot to unpack with that yeah. and i'll give you the simple answer the first thing to know is that men and women should do it differently okay. so um and here's why there is one time of a woman's monthly cycle where she is more susceptible to stress, especially hormetic stress, and you don't want to lean into that extra stress. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but that, that there has been a movement as fasting has gotten more popular. You're hearing more and more people say women shouldn't fast, and that there's nothing. I, I completely disagree with that. I feel like, yes, we should fast. We just have to fast differently. So if you're a cycling woman, the week before your period, you don't really want to do a lot of fasting. You want to do more hormone-building foods, so things like squashes and potatoes and beans and citrus fruit and, uh, um, and tropical fruits. You want to you do more nourishing less autophagy. You don't want to be in a a deprivation mode. You don't want to have a hormetic stress. So the week before your period is really important. The other place is in postmenopausal women. So for women over 40, what happens is our estrogen and our progesterone starts going down, 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 and it'll Mm -hmm. continue the, the majority of our life. Now why fasting works so well for menopausal women is it makes us insulin sensitive again. So if we get insulin resistant, we become estrogen resistant and we've already got an estrogen that's declining.
4: Mm-hmm. So
2: it brings back that sensitivity, but then what do you how do you handle the progesterone? And that's why a postmenopausal woman should throw in a, you know once a week, sometimes twice a week step out of fasting Throw in some hormone-building days and, and don't lean into that hormetic stress. So there's and I, this is kind of how, like, so much of my YouTube channel is now based off of that. For menopausal women, I wrote a whole book. It's called The Menopause Reset on the five things that women should do. And then I, I have another book at the editor right now that is a, man, a fasting manual for women. So there's a lot of nuance that women need to pay attention to, but the little tricks I just told you are the, are the basic ones.
3: The Ego Action Tribe. And we'll definitely have Dr. Mindy's book as well so that you can all grab her book because I think uh, 85% of the listeners of my show are women. And so this mm-hmm. information is really gonna uh, benefit them. And Heather says, I definitely enjoy tea while fasting. And somebody oh, says, yeah. is coconut oil okay? Yeah, uh, so let's go to the tea. The tea is great. Sure. Um, it, make sure it's organic. I think
2: that's always just, minimizing the pesticides um and while fasting sometimes it's just a mind game right you just you just want to hold on to something yeah. <laughs> i've come home on days i'm doing like a three-day water fast i put mineral water in a wine glass and just just to kind of feel like i'm you know doing something um and then coconut oil yes coconut oil is great um again make sure it's organic um but it also is a great fat
3: so Dr. Medi, these days, I'm a big fan of the OMAD diet. I've been doing uh, like two meals in a day for about three years now, actually, it's more than three years. So I'm, I was used to two meals per day, enjoying it, but I wanted to push it to the next level. And so for over the last, I'd say, six months, I've sort of uh, gone between one meal and two meals a day. But something I need to get better at is how do I break that fast? What are your thoughts around now that you finish that fast you're mm-hmm. having one meal what should that one meal be so that you're giving your body all the nutrition and the uptake that it needs in order to you know facilitate all the bodily functions and and thrive so what are your thoughts yeah. around that
2: well so it it really depends on what you're trying to do okay so but but but, but breaking the fast is it can be as important as the fast itself yeah. so here's how i look at it if I want to replenish my microbiome, I'll break my fast with, like, uh, like I, a lot of times my go-to is a, a half of an avocado with sauerkraut on it. And so I getting that good bacteria in there. If I want to sus- maybe only do one meal that day, and I just want a little snack, mm-hmm. but I need to stabilize my blood sugar a little bit more, get a few more ketones, I'll break it with a fat. I'll do, again, an avocado, a scoop of nut butter with some ghee on it, uh, some, a fat bomb. I like these fat bombs called keto cups. Okay. So if you want to keep going, mm-hmm. break it with fat. If you want to repair your microbiome, break it with like a fermented food. And if you want to build muscle, you want to break it with protein. Okay. So if you, if you eat animal protein, you would break it with like a hard-boiled egg or if you're not, you could do a, a pea protein powder. You could do some kind of protein powder. So if you break it with protein, you'll build muscle. If you break it with fat, you can elongate the fast. And if you break it with a fermented food, you repair your microbiome.
3: So I guess then a, a nice balanced diet would have some protein, would have some yeah. you know, some fermented stuff. And the third thing, what did you mention? Uh,
2: fat. Fat.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just got some nice uh, fermented pickles and some fermented beetroots, and I'm really loving them. So, yeah. I think so I'm You
2: can put all three together if yeah. you want. Right. Uh, so, broths are good. A lot of people, for the longer fast, I love bone broth. It has something called glycine in it, where the glycine will go in and it'll really heal that intermucosal lining of the gut. So, sometimes, especially in the winter months, I want to break it because fasting can make you feel kind of cold. Uh, I often want to break it with a warm broth. Um, You can do vegetable broth. That can work as well, too.
3: Interesting. And so uh, the other question I had is at what point when you're fasting does it begin to go downhill? Is there any point beyond which you're like, you're not getting any benefits. You're actually starving yourself.
2: Yes, yes. Well, so for everybody, it's going to be a little different. Sure, yeah. But remember that fasting is like exercise. It's this hormetic stress. Mm-hmm. So it's a good stressor. But at some point, if you go too long, it becomes a bad stressor. Very much like if I go for a half-hour run, yeah. that might be perfect. But if I go for uh, you know, a three-hour run, I might be injured. Mm-hmm. So the, the real t- test is look at your blood sugar. So the blood sugar and ketone reader is going to tell you if you've gone too far. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I know the American measurements, but we basically look at 70 to 90 uh, milligrams for your blood sugar. And you want to be – you don't want to go over like – ketosis is somewhere between 0.5 and 6.0 is a good healthy range for ketosis. Okay. If your blood sugar dips down into the 50s – yeah, that could be an issue if your ketones get up into the points, you know, six point seven point oh. You're going to want to watch that. Okay. So those are kind of the biggies. Then the other thing that I, I think is really important for people to know is fasting. It, you know, it can when you when you go to new limits, you could feel dizzy. Mm. You can feel nauseous. Those are all normal reactions. But if you feel incredibly lethargic, like you can't pick your limbs up. I think that's a sign to break the fast as well because your mitochondria are not making ATP they're not helping mm. you. So we've got a we got that there's a point at which fasting can go south which mm-hmm. is why we have everybody measure.
3: And what kind of device or is there a recommendation that you have that I can I can get and then start measuring cuz I'm not, I'm not doing that yet. All this oh, while it's, you know, it was all intuitively oh. based, right? Based on what I'm feeling, yeah. but I'd love to get my hands on the numbers. So what device is that?
2: Yeah. Okay. So there's two of them. One, okay. the, our favorite is called a Keto Mojo. You can find it on my website. Yep. If you just go to Dr. Mindy Pell's, go to my store and you'll see Keto Mojo in there. Okay. The other one that you might love is called a continuous glucose monitor. So it won't tell you ketones, mm-hmm. but it actually goes on the back of your arm. Okay. You wear it for about two weeks. You mm-hmm. just kind of it, it, it sort of inserts on the back of your arm. It doesn't hurt when it goes on. And then they have an app on your phone that will tell you what your blood sugar is continually. Oh. So you can see what food does. you can see what fasting does. Uh, I always love to see what's going on at like 2, 3 o'clock in the, in the morning because the liver likes to dump sugar at that point. Mm-hmm. So I can go and track what my blood sugar did at 2 in the morning. So it's really, it's a pretty cool little tool.
3: Awesome. So you not only get information in the real time, but it's also going to measure your blood sugar throughout the day. And you can see what's at 2 a.m., yeah. you know, afternoon, evening. That's right. Okay.
2: Yeah. And that's on our website too. It's called NutriSense is the company that we recommend.
3: Wonderful. So, Dr. Mindy, you know, you've shared so much information so far. I think I'll have to listen to this episode once again to really digest everything that you've shared and, uh, you know, explore some more. Go on Google and find out some more and watch some of your more videos that you have uploaded uh, and and shared. But I want to talk about um, youth now. And I don't mean getting younger but feeling younger based on what you've shared so far. And in terms of you know some next steps, what can somebody do at home that can potentially allow them to live longer but also feel younger? What can yeah. they do?
2: Well, <laughs> intermittent fasting is the absolute first start. Okay. And it for everything that we just talked about, what we know about intermittent fasting is it brings inflammation down. So, inflammation in the joints, inflammation in the brain, that's going to make you feel old. You're going to move slow, you're going to ache, you're going to have aches and pains. So, I would the number one thing before any food, any supplement, anything, I would say intermittent fast. The the second thing I would say is that when you're fasting, you're creating ketones. So, have fun with this and get the get the ketone measure and the more ketones will go up into the brain and start to repair the neurons in the brain. So you can actually bring back memory that way. Um, The third thing, and this is one when we talk about nutrition, we talk so much about, again, vegan, carnivore, sugar, no sugar, but really the number one most important macronutrient that we need to mind is our fat. Mm -hmm. So bad fats will age you, bad fats will create chronic disease, and good fats will heal you. So I can put on your plate a, a, a tablespoon of margarine and that will, will age you quickly, or I can put on your plate a tablespoon of grass-fed be, uh, butter and that will actually slow down aging. They're both butter, but they're two separate, toxic, one's toxic, one's nourishing. So I think the oils are the most important thing to manage.
3: So there you go, Action Tribe. I hope you have some insights and uh, next steps for you. This was such an amazing discussion because I'm personally really interested uh, and I love intermittent fasting. Sometimes when you try out a new practice and you adapt it, you sort of forget about where you were. Because your new normal is that. You okay. just assume this is this is what you are. But I still remember, especially during our conversation, I remember that, you know, like five years back, six years back, I used to get these sniffles all the time. I used to have cold all the time. And people used to ask me, you always have a cold. And I used to say the standard phrase, I have a perennial cold. I still remember that. Because it was not like a cold cold, but I used to have these sniffles. And these days I don't have it. And I can say for sure that at least part of it is due to the fact that i skip my breakfast and in and a lot of times these days i'm just having one large meal per day so this is a topic that i'm really really excited about and thanks a lot for sharing all these uh, different points i can vouch for our listeners that they also learned a lot
2: awesome well thank you for having me i think again i want to give people the belief back in their body and fasting is the, the best way to do that so Uh, Again, I loved this conversation and uh, I I hope your listeners got a lot out of it. So thank you for having me.
3: So there you go, Akshay Tribe. I hope you enjoyed our session so far. We're learning today that fasting can unlock many opportunities for you in life. But just like any other health approach, there's no one size fits all to fasting. There are different types of fasting, different styles of fasting. You need to consider your age, your gender, medical history, and where you are in life. But the good thing is that by asking the right questions, like Dr. Mindy said, you need to ask the right questions, you can find something that works for you. At the end of the day, it's not about what you put in, but it's also about what you don't put in or when you put it in. So the timing is also is so important. Because as Benjamin Franklin once put, the best of all medicines are resting and fasting. Mm. And with that being said, it is now time for our wisdom round, four questions, so that our listeners can take note and take action. So Dr. Mindy, what is the best piece of advice that you have received?
2: Ever in my life? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. You know what? Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, fail forward. That fail, There's no such thing as failure, as long as every time you fail, you learn something for, from it and you move forward don't let it be a block. Somewhere along the line, somebody taught me that. And I now look at failure completely different. I look at it as an opportunity to continue to propel me forward.
3: Fail forward. And if you could turn back time, spend one hour with someone who's living or dead, who would it be?
2: Oh, these are deep. The first person that came to my mind was my grandma. And uh, she was just a great listener, and uh, she was one of those people that uh, spoke affirmations in my ear as a young child and just, you know, poured into me confidence and love. And, you know, that you don't really realize how impactful that is until you mm. become an adult. And, you, you know, here I am at 51 still hearing her, her the self-talk that she poured into me. And, yeah, that was pretty powerful. I'd love to bring her back and thank her for that.
3: Yeah, grandmothers make such a difference, not only through their talk, but also in their beingness and the energy that they exude. Uh, What is that one thing you do in the morning or maybe in the evening before you go to sleep that has improved the quality of your life?
2: Oh, you know what I do before I go to sleep? I really recommend that everybody do this is when I put my head on the pillow, I think about all the incredible things that happened to me that day. So I focus Mm. on the positive of what went down for me that day as opposed to the problems I have to fix. And then I future trip the next day and think, okay, what are all the wonderful things I'm going to get to do tomorrow? So this actually came out of just uh, the – the, the challenge of doing the opposite, where I used to think, oh, this went wrong, and I got to do this. And then tomorrow, I'm going to need to fix that. And so I learned to retrain my brain so that when my head hits the pillow, it's time to think about all the incredible things and then to, to geek out and get excited about what tomorrow brings.
3: Amazing. And Dr. Mindy, how can they you know, get a hold of your book?
2: Yeah, you can you can find my book. Go to my website, Dr. Mindy Pels, and we have a link there. Uh, they're in a lot of different bookstores. You can find it on Amazon. Um, so uh, you, my uh, website is really the hub for everywhere you want to find my information. Um, but yeah, my book is there, and enjoy. It's it was really a uh, a love project to women over forty and my experience going through menopause. And I really wanted to create a, um, some kind of uh, documentation that women can change their lifestyle as they go through menopause. They don't have to lean into medications. Uh, they can really take some serious steps and make changes in their own just habits that will make menopause really, really effortless.
3: And do you have it on Audible as well? At the moment?
2: Yeah, that's so funny you say that. (laughs) Yes, it's coming on Audible. Um, We just talked to the publisher today about the timing for Audible. So, yes, we're trying. uh, That's on my shoulders, right? So, I am hoping to have it out um, by April 6th when the book comes out. But uh, if I don't get it by April 6th, it'll be soon after that. So, sit tight. It's coming out on Audible.
3: Okay. So, basically, the idea is that all of our listeners get one Audible. Uh, book credit for free. And there's a good chance that when this episode is launched, then your book is already ready. So Action Tribe, in order to get Dr. Mindy's book uh, for free, save your credit, but go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book and search for Dr. Mindy. You know, put it on the wait list. Right? But when the book is ready, get your free book, my7chakras.com forward slash free book and learn everything that Dr. Mindy has taken the time to share with you in order to not just to fast, but how to do it specifically for women and how to really experience the joy that life is giving you. So Dr. Mindy, thank you so much for coming on our show today. What is that one thing that you're grateful for? And is there anything else that you'd like to share? <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh, do I have to say one thing? Um, (laughs) You know what? I I would say uh, I'm grateful. This is going to sound a little strange, but I'm actually grateful for the pandemic and what has happened around 2020 because it's given us an opportunity to pause
4: Mm. and
2: it's given us an opportunity to look at health differently. I've been in the health business or in the industry for 25 years. I've never seen the world more focused on their health than now. So my dream is really that we look at the, what, what has been dished out to us over the last year and we use it as an opportunity to go within and make ourselves healthier. We don't stop giving our health away to an outside source. It's all within us. And uh, I hope people really gather that um, because the pandemic has offered that as a gift to us and I hope that people receive it. So, and yeah, just don't ever give up on yourself. And if, you, if, if this is the first time you're hearing how miraculous your body is, you know, keep, keep learning, keep learning, because you were really born in a miracle. And that's what the message I want to get to everybody.
3: Awesome. Uh, so everybody, if, especially if you enjoyed this episode, and I know I did enjoy this episode, uh, but if you enjoyed this episode, then take a screenshot on your phone and then tag us, tag Dr. Mindy on Instagram, tag me. At my seven chakras on Instagram, so that we can share your message and we can connect in that way. Dr. Mindy is doing so much amazing work on YouTube, on Instagram, and all these different platforms. I can't. Be, I, I don't know how she does it, but she does it right. Uh, so <laughs> make sure you connect with her, and if you listen to this episode, tell her. I listen from my seven chakras, right? And if you have any feedback, comments, observations, or something at all, you can reach out to me at aj at sevenchakras.com. Aj at sevenchakras.com. Love to listen from our listeners. And uh, we are going to create more such amazing episodes in the future. Dr. Mendy, thank you so much for coming on our thank show, you. talking to us about the amazing healing properties and qualities of the practice of fasting and taking us one step closer to a human revolution.
1: Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my dot is My S-E-V-E-N Chakras.com